What's up, everyone? Welcome to the first episode of A White Girl's Guide to Hip Hop. This is your podcast for all things learning about the industry, the genre, uh, deciphering if you like mumble rap over trap, um, or if you're more into lyrical content and artist creation like I am. I'm your host, Sarah Loretta, and I am a historian, a hip hop journalist. Um, I do some work over at the lunch table. Shout out to those guys because they are great. Um, But then I also kind of work on my own stuff and one of those side projects has led me here to your headphones. Um, I have a deep love for the hip hop industry and I really wanted to kind of share my knowledge and things that I've learned um, throughout my journey as a writer. And, you know, if you're interested in hip hop or rap or trap or mumble rap or cypher battles or any other type of um, sub-genre that there is within the hip hop industry. I hope that I can maybe teach you something um, and introduce you to artists that I hold very near and dear to my heart that I love with every fiber of my being. Um, and so I started A White Girl's Guide. Um, and, you know, I want to mention, as this is my first podcast episode, um, is that I don't pretend to know everything. Um, I definitely learn as I go, um, and I hope that we can kind of build that journey together. Um, You know, if there's an album that, or an artist that I'm not sure on, or, you know, if you want to suggest an artist that you love or a local, um, group. Um, I'm from Cleveland and I, I love locality. I really, really admire up and coming artists who are spending nights in their bedroom, just as I'm kind of sitting in my closet right now recording this. Um, but I really, really love listening to artists who spend the time perfecting their craft. Um, and that could be SoundCloud rappers or YouTubers or kids on the quad at Texas state who are just figuring out where they fit into this world. Um, so without further ado, welcome to A White Girl's Guide to Hip Hop, like I've said. Um, this is the first episode, and I figured I would just kind of take the time to introduce who I am, my background, my expertise, I guess you could say, what led me into the genre, um, and then kind of talk about the goals for the podcast, um, you know, what you should expect from the first season. So welcome. I hope you enjoy. maybe eight years old, um, one of the first instances that I had ever gotten into hip hop was 
in my aunt's car. Um, and I'm very fortunate that she is somewhat close in age in me with me. And so, um, I was able to kind of gain influence, um, from her likes growing up. But, uh, one Christmas, um, we were in the car driving to our grandparents' house and she had put on late registration Kanye's album. Um, and had played the song Roses. And for me, it was the first time that I had ever heard articulation, the way that you can speed up speaking um, and still sound readable. Um, and you were still able to get your message across. And, you know, I, it was definitely an intriguing uh, song, not only for the way that Kanye presents each word, um, but, you know, also because it it's a song about his grandmother dying and how he handled that with his family. Um, and, you know, of course, I didn't really understand, you know, what who Magic Johnson was. I wasn't into the NBA back then um, and I didn't know what AIDS was or, you know, I, I really didn't understand the song. Um, but the artistry behind it was definitely something that stood out to me. Um, and it, you know, for me being, uh, raised on pop music and, you know, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, um, you know, with Kanye being more of a pop artist, um, it was kind of an organic transition, I guess. Um, especially because Kanye does need to be applauded because he is the artist that, kind of spearheaded the transition from hip hop into pop music in the turn of the 21st century. Um, and so he, uh, he needs to be applauded for that. I've held that song very close. It's, it was in my top 100 on the Spotify, uh, 2017 wrapped data. So I'm quite proud of that. Um, but so I listened to that song in her car and it was, you know, one of the first times I'd ever heard hip hop and it really was eye opening to me. Um, just the way that you're able to speak with such rhythm and intensity um, instead of just your everyday talking voice really was something that I found intriguing. Um, but also the fact that, you know, he was talking about his his grandmother dying in the hospital. Um, you know, growing up, I was my parents sheltered me um, very closely. Um, shout out mom and dad for doing whatever you did. Um but for me, you know, I grew up on Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and, you know, I watched Disney, Playhouse Disney cartoons on Saturday mornings. I was a very sheltered Barbie playing girl. Um, and so when I first heard Roses by Kanye West, it was kind of like, okay, there's actually things in the world that mean something to someone. Um, because, you know, even though I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, shout out CLE for life, um, I was raised into a very white culture. Um, you know, the two kids, a white picket fence dream was what I thought was normal. Um, and so, you know, that that album really kind of started my trend of looking for music online and, um, you know, finding out about problems in the world. And so if we flash forward, you know, I wasn't downloading music at eight years old, but I definitely was intrigued. And so a couple years later, um, I had actually started spending summers at my grandparents and, you know, paternal family, um, in Massachusetts. And one summer, um, 
I was with my cousins and my cousins had a very different life than I did. Um, they were definitely not your average, you know, Sarah's household. They had freedom and they were allowed to play video games and they were allowed to run around town without having to check in on their bikes. And so it was a very different experience going there for the summers. And the one summer in particular, my cousins had MTV on and I, MTV was very much not allowed in my household. Um, you know, as a kind of a side note, I, I was that child that wasn't allowed to watch, uh, Boy Meets World when they went to college and I wasn't allowed to watch the proud family. And, and so when I say I was very sheltered, I was very, very sheltered. And so anyway, so I, you know, I'm hanging out with my cousins and they have MTV on and D12's my band is the music videos on, you know, where Eminem's got the mariachi hat and he's talking, he's rapping about salsa and, you know, they're arguing over who's the lead singer of the band. And that was one thing I had never seen, um, I guess anything vulgar. Um, cause that video is, you know, they have, uh, blurred out over women's boobs and, um, you know, it's just that first experience that I had ever had with rap that was dirty. Um, and that's a term maybe I'll use in the future, but, um, it was dirty rap and it was definitely inappropriate. Um, but it was once again, intriguing, kind of like how I felt when I first heard Kanye's album. Um, and so, you know, I was in, I was totally over the top about this because it was just like catchy and it made me feel cool that I finally could relate to my cousins who I only saw once a year, um, and be able to be interested in something that they were. And that same summer was the summer that I got introduced to Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. And to this day, it's still one of my favorite games. Um, but I got to start seeing, what outside of my four walls of my house really looked like. Um, and it was interesting. Um, I really, I don't think back then processed what that meant for me or how it would influence my future. Um, but I remember that moment very vividly, um, and very much, as it was only, you know, a year or two ago instead of over 10 years ago. Um, and it was a very influential time in my life, um, because I was starting to transition into middle school and it became kind of a breaking point of it's okay to not listen to pretty boy bands. Like there's actually real music in this world. Um, and so that was really the point where I sat down and I said, I want music in my life that means something. And I want to be able to relate to people that don't go to the Catholic school that I go to. I want to be more than just a girl who rides her bike all weekend long. Like I, I wanted to find meaning and I wanted to be a part of something because I think growing up, I really didn't have an identity. And you know, a lot of kids say that, right? Oh, I didn't have a passion. Oh, my parents made me play sports, which yeah, sure. That was me too. But I never felt truly connected to anything. Even the sports, I was very good at volleyball. You know, I was in band. I, you know, did all these things, but until I found hip hop, I never really connected to any kind of cultural aspect, whether that's food or sports or whatever. Um, 
And so after that point is when I started, I think that was right before I'd gotten my first MP3 player. Some of you listening may not even know what that is. Um, if you've only ever known iPods and iPhones, um, but I had my first MP3 player and I started downloading like Timbaland and Justin Timberlake. And that was the album that Pharrell was on with Justin Timberlake and, you know, still poppy, but there was that articulation and that change in rhythm. And that's what excited me. Um, and so then I'd gotten into LimeWire and started, you know, getting on YouTube and finding tracks to download and um, you know, it just kind of spiraled from there. And I'd actually gotten away from hip hop for a little while, um, and got really into the punk scene and, um, you know, got really into underground bands and that, that was a way for me to get away from radio music. Um, I think punk really kind of inspired where I'm at in underground hip hop now is just how many artists are really out there pushing the bar and, working so hard to put their sound out there that aren't being heard from the major labels. Um, and so when I got into hip hop, that was kind of my starting point is going onto YouTube and just starting with one artist like logic. I found logic maybe three or four years ago and I would just listen to the recommended songs. I would just let it play. And if I heard something I liked, I would save that YouTube video and kind of keep going. Um, but then my, as I got older and then into middle school, um, my dad actually, I do owe him credit. Um, and we can talk about him in a little bit, but I do owe him credit for introducing me to pop rap. Um, so he was the person that introduced me to eighties rap. So BC boys, um, got really into LL Cool J and we would just drive and listen to, fun party rap. Um, I guess you can say, I, I think that the beastie boys are very much party rap. Um, I don't exactly take them seriously, but we do have to give them credit for the music they did put out, um, at the time that they did. And so after that, I, um, you know, I started getting into, I think at this time it was, Akon was really big and Paul Wall and, um, Sean Paul and the Pussycat Dolls were being signed. And so this is kind of beginning of high school for me, 2007. Um, I was in marching band and I remember all the seniors would open their car doors and play, you know, play T-Pain's bartender and, you know, I'm in love with a stripper and would play Akon. And, you know, it was just, it was a fun experience for me. Um, I had, really still, I was very sheltered at home. And so it was, it was kind of like my secret passion that I was hiding from my parents because I knew that had they found out I was listening to promiscuous music or I was listening to songs talking about selling drugs or cooking, cooking dope or, you know, shooting people in the head. Um, cause there are some rap songs that talk about, talk about murder. Um, and so it was one thing that I never got caught with, you know, it, my parents were very quick to catch me on my grades or catch me in a lie about, you know, emptying the dishwasher. But hip hop was that one thing that I kept so underground and deep, deep down buried that it was mine. And I felt a part of something, um, the summer before my junior year was actually the time in my life, um, that I needed hip hop the most. And my dad actually ended up 
going to prison, um, before I graduated high school. And it was one of those things that I didn't have a single friend, um, that had parents in the same situation. And I had already gone through the loss of my mother and her legal troubles. Um, and she was no longer in my life. And, and so when everything went down with my dad and Um, you know, to be totally frank when he was on the news and he was wanted by the FBI and all these things kept coming out. And I had my own trial against, uh, my father. Um, hip hop was a way for me to once again, relate to people outside of my four walls. Um, and so for a short time I was looking at, you know, the darkest hip hop that I could find and the most hateful lyrics because it was, I was mad at the world and I was mad at myself for being so complacent and being so obedient when really I should have been speaking up for myself. And, um, and so I spent a probably a good two or three years just listening to super dark, super angry, um, super hateful hip hop. And it, it really helped me similar to, you know, a time that I was in therapy growing up and hip hop became my therapist and it it became a way for me to be outspoken or cry or scream or, you know, just be in the moment and get out of my head, um, from the everyday issues that, I was struggling with personally and, um, I guess as, as a family. Um, but so then I went into college and I started becoming more vocal about the passion that I had. And I realized, I think maybe two years ago that it was okay for me to like hip hop. And I think that's mainly because, um, you know, I am a white female and the hip hop industry is a black genre. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong in saying that. Um, and I really hope that no one disagrees with me about that either. You know, we do have white rappers. We have Eminem. We have Token. Um, of course, the Beastie Boys, if we look back to some hip hop history. Um, but it is a black music. And I think that it was one way for me to learn about racism and learn about, um, what different cultures were like. And so I started making friends with other kids that liked hip hop. And that's how I have the friends and the Twitter followers that I do today, because I was honest with myself and I didn't hide my love for a genre that isn't necessarily mine because it's not, um, hip hop is very much for groups that, are from impoverished neighborhoods or, you know, if you look at hip hop from the nineties, it's, you know, or even like NWA or, um, Joey badass today, like they're fighting for the issues that they went through, whether that's, you know, police brutality and the LA riots in 1995, um, or 94, um, or the political stance against Donald Trump today. I mean, for me, I am fortunate that I have, not had to handle racism the way that other individuals have. Um, and I am proud that I get to stand next to them and call them my friend. Um, 
And so for me, that was when I really started getting into hip hop is being able to have these kind of conversations with my peers and ask questions, um, about experiences that others have had. Um, and then last spring I was in one of my final semesters of undergrad and I, um, took a class of, it was called history of rock and roll. Um, and we got to do a blog project, um, over anything in the music industry. It was, you know, the course of the semester, we had to upkeep this blog. And at this point I was getting really into specific articulations and comparing artists based on lyrical content and really creating my own opinions about Eminem versus Will Smith versus, you know, any other artist that is different or similar, similar. Um, and so I really took advantage of this blog project and I spent the semester analyzing subgenres in hip hop. So I looked at battle rap, I looked at mumble rap, I looked at frat rap, um, and frat rap, a lot of you probably realize, don't know you realize that you know frat rap, but if you look at Mac Miller or Asher Roth, that's frat rap. It doesn't really have a rep anymore, um, but it is a genre and I spent time looking at it, um. So yeah, so I spent the semester doing that and it was really great. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I actually upkept my blog after that. Um, and I started writing my own pieces and, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I, I wrote, I'd read, um, Charlemagne, the God's black privilege memoir, um, is about his life, him growing up in South Carolina and the rural areas and, um, you know, his experiences working with Wendy Williams and how he, you know, would never become a rapper because of his lisp. And, you know, so it was a, it was a great memoir. Um, but the underlying message of the book, regardless of all the side stories he includes is that you can't, let go of any opportunity that you're faced with and that you have to take every opportunity as it comes, whether that's shaking every single person's hand in a room, even if you don't know them, because you'll never know, you never know where someone's at in their life. If that means that they could be the next Kanye or they could be the next Beyonce or they could be the next major label executive chief who's signing you, um, you never know. And so you have to take every advantage for what it's worth, um, and do anything that comes your way that you feel is going to benefit your life. And so after I read that book, it, it really kind of pushed me to realize like, okay, I can do this. Like I can get into the music industry the way that I want to without, being an artist or being in PR or having to have an engineer degree to do, you know, tracks and record. And, um, and so I had written a book review on his book and gave him a lot of credit and how inspired, you know, talked about his inspiration and, you know, what, what that book meant for me being a white female in hip hop. And, he ended up, you know, I tweeted at him and I'm like, oh, he'll never, he'll never read that. Right. And I'll just tweet it to him. I'm this little kid on Twitter. I think I had maybe like 200 followers at this point. Now my you, I only have like 400 now. So it's not like I really like have grown exponentially, but he did, um, end up retweeting the article and gave me, um, some feedback that was really great. Um, 
And from there, I kind of went viral and um, ended up catching the eye of a media outlet out in LA called The Lunch Table. And the owner, Nico, picked me up and um, was like, you know, I really like your stuff and um, I'd like you to write for us. And so I've been doing that ever since. And I I love being able to push my own envelope um, and seeing, you know, where it can take me. Um, and as you're re- listening to this um my most recent article that I've put out with the lunch table was a whole comparison between Will Smith and Jaden Smith and their sophomore albums and how fathers and sons who are in rap together, so to speak, um, maybe they're not rapping together, but they're in the genre together. Um, you know, the difference in artistry and the importance of not following in your father's footsteps. And had I never, you know, believed in myself enough to say, I know what I'm talking about. I do the proper research. I can cover this topic. I would never write pieces like this. I would never make fun of mumble rap the way that I have. Um, because if you are, if you are following this podcast, because you know me from lunch table, um, you know that I'm very much vocal and very loudly, um, proud to say that I'm not a huge mumble rap fan. Um, I think it's very similar to disco, um, from the late sixties and seventies is that it's a phase and it's a way for people to forget about the cultural indifferences around us and the political stances that we're all facing and the hardships that we still in America are seeing 60 years after the civil rights movement. Um, and so that's kind of, that's my story y'all. Um, that's where I'm at. I hope that I maybe have a similar story to some of you that you are closet fans and you are trying to expand your horizon, so to speak. Um, And I hope that I can teach you um, something or you can teach me something. Um, So basically the whole point of this podcast is to introduce you to music and talk about maybe not necessarily breaking news, but talk about, you know, where the world was at when a specific album came out or bring in some local artists or bigger artists or even my friends and dissect some albums and talk about different things like fashion statements, like the bucket hat, or about how LL Cool J was just honored at the Kennedy Center and he was the first rapper to do so. So I think it'll be a fun, fun journey for all of us to be on. And I hope you stick around and I am really excited to see where this goes. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast. Um, I know it was really short, but I wanted to give you a quick intro um, to kind of start the foundation. Um, so make sure that you follow me in the iTunes store on the podcast app. Um, this is definitely going to be more posted on SoundCloud probably than anything, but we will see where it goes. Um, and follow me on Twitter. I am always in conversation on there. I will love to argue with you about Lil Uzi Vert or, uh, you know, Joyner Lucas's new track that everyone is talking about. Um, yeah. So follow me on Twitter at Sarah underscore Loretta, and I will see you guys next Next week, I hope you listen to some great music over the weekend. Bye. I gave you everything, you still gave me a second best. When you were down, I wasn't out, I gave a second chance. And to this day, I think that's probably my worst regret. You fooled me once, you fooled me twice, and I got over it. Yeah, but I won't blame you. I know I did some shit, and maybe I'm ashamed too. I left the city, now I'm starting to replace you.
Why do we always argue? Why do we always argue?